This episode is brought to you by Not Alone Co. It has been such a pleasure for us at Not Alone Co. to create our little Not Alone community. We want to be able to utilize the messaging on our apparel in order to help facilitate tough and meaningful conversations with your loved ones. Community, conversation, and vulnerability. This is a journey and mental health isn't a battle to be won. We at Not Alone Co. are here to remind you that you are never alone and it's okay to not be okay. Use code NAC10 at checkout for 10% off your order, which helps us donate portions of the proceeds to various mental health charities and foundations. That's code NAC10 at checkout. We love you and you're not alone. I want to just instantly gravitate toward the Masters because it's Masters weekend, but you're oh, so yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Who you're like who's your who's your guy? Okay, well, oh. My guy is Rory McIlroy, and he sucks right now. Yeah, well. um, so that's a major issue. But I do – a lot of people are backlashing against my boy Brooks Kepka, and I understand yeah. that. Yeah, I know. I know. But I've been Brooks from the start, and I really, for some reason, still love Brooks. And the fact that he – I'm going to go check his score right now, actually. But uh, did, you, did you watch Full Swing? Sure did. Netflix? Yeah, we could, yeah. I uh, – I enjoyed it. I think it's hard because you're comparing to F1, which is like hard to compare to because that was like mm-hmm. such a like riveting, action-packed, like just like drama, drama, drama. But I thought it was good. Like I thought Full Swing was good. Like I thought the one with Joel Damon was awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I thought it was really good. I just didn't like the way that Brooks was in Full Swing. And I know that's just a short inside look of what – He's he's like, but it just didn't. And then I didn't like him at the Panthers game, chirping at. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Like that was a bit. (laughs) And also, he's wearing like an old like '90s style zip up sweatsuit. Like I I didn't. (laughs) I got a ghoul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, but Uh, I would love to know: um, Is there actually like a golf tournament you would like to go to other than the Masters? Like, do you follow golf pretty? Not like religiously. I mean, I follow the big tournaments. Masters, definitely. Masters I always like because it, it, it reminds me of like end of the hockey season, playoff yeah. times coming. And usually the team does like a, a draft or some sort of pool and, and it gets pretty fun. So I always like that. And, and I'll always try to do some sort of pool or something where I can follow guys. And, and I think that part of it's fun. But like, I mean... Waste management, I guess, would be the one that's like everyone talks about. That just seems like a fun time. Did you see the clips yesterday of uh, so they mic'd up Rory McIlroy and Max Homa during their round, like while they were like hitting shots and then like while they were hitting pots, like they had like an earpiece in. So there's like a lot of people are like, why would they do that? But I think it was so cool because instantly afterwards they both played like really well afterwards because they're like well this is just going to distract them from this and like and like and i now even related to like emily kaplan doing like mid-game interviews with the coaches like i think it is like it is immersive and i think there is like value in being able to get those like on hand emotions from these guys who are are a part of this yeah so yeah i I agree no i agree i think i mean it's really cool too and like i think eventually like athletes in general are gonna have to like get rid of that that mindset of like oh this is gonna 
bog me down from my performance or or whatever it is like i don't want to be mic'd up like like you got to get rid of that because at the end of the day the people that are watching the games the people that are really embracing that content and loving that content are the people that just like love to watch you play and and love the sport so i don't know that's and speaking of love uh i have a major love for one record wow what a transition that just was claps uh, I have a major love for one record in particular, and that's Campfire Chords by the Arkells. Max Kerman from the Arkells, the lead singer, the TikTok extravagant um, influencer that he is, joined us for the show. And I mean, I've uh, I've been fortunate to meet Max a couple times now, and I say it in the in the show, but he is one of the most attentive one of the most respected, one of the most respectful, one of the most, you know, just convert, just pure love for conversation. And I think that's something that I uh, instantly gravitated towards with Max is just like how much love he has for people and like how much love he has for making sure people feel welcome and accepted and make sure that he's doing his part and lending a hand. And um, yeah, Campfire Chords is one of my favorite records. I put it on on a you know, it's a perfect Sunday morning with your coffee. It's uh, he talks about how they did it during COVID, but it's just it's so soothing. And he is such a good lyricist and just such a good human being. And I uh, I know this was a kind of a spur of the moment podcast and Riles had to find a spot in the hotel he's at right now to try and record. But I know uh, I mean, I am so fortunate that he joined us and so fortunate that, you know, he shared a little bit about the I guess the ins and and the outs of of being where he's at and the position that they're in with the Arkells and and um, you know how tasking that can be and also how rewarding at the very same time. So so yeah, what'd you think, Rouse? Yeah, it was it, it, it was unreal. I mean, like I said at the end of the podcast, like I grew up on music like the Arkells and um, especially being Canadian, being from forty five minutes away from where I'm from. Um, you you gravitate to those bands um a little more so it was really cool getting to have some conversation and he just seems like such a genuine person and um and he's present when he talks to you and we had some meaningful conversation which was nice and uh yeah we just really enjoyed it yes and as always uh i'm on a current heater of uh three is a streak and i think i only have two straight so far but uh new tune tuesday is uh it's every tuesday um so buckle up and join for the ride and see which song you're feeling each week and join us on the speak your mind instagram at speak your underscore underscore mind yeah if you can help us get the uh, actual speak your mind podcast uh instagram handle that'd be great but uh please enjoy our boy max kerman what are you drinking an aha oh an aha no. you know yeah it's just getting me through like that um how was la la was great um are we recording now properly is yeah, this how we yeah, start the, is this how we start the pod yeah we're, we're we're ready to go nice yeah la was good um i went down with my friend a childhood friend of mine matt who's a like a screenplay writer and and our manager ash it's kind of good to be there you know i feel like there's i mean a lot of the music business and entertainment business is down there but it's for me you know the, obviously the epicenter for entertainment is Toronto when it comes to Canada, but you know, you kind of get to know everybody and, and you kind of kind of get into similar rhythms, but when you go to somewhere like New York and LA, and these are places that like everybody in the entire country congregates to, if they want to try to make it, 
just the level of like hustle and talent, just sort of variety of skill. It's just like you, you're kind of reminded that it's a big old world out there. And I think that's important because it's like very easy to sort of like kind of get stuck in your like narrow view of what the world is. But, it, you know, it's the same thing when you go traveling. It's just like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of people out here living their lives that I never would have thought of. And so and I, I kind of like the feeling of being small, you know, it's just like, oh, it kind of, you know, I think you appreciate people and their experiences a little bit more when you when you're not just like in your own four walls every day. Were you ever drawn out there? Like, were you guys as a band ever drawn out to one of those, those big time cities? I mean, obviously, Toronto, like you said, is one, but, um, you know, like going to LA or New York that way? Yeah, we, we've recorded a lot in LA. Uh, we've done a few records down there. So we've spent a lot of time down there. Uh, and so much of our job is touring. So like, we don't really have a central location um other than just being at home so i th i think it's easy enough to to kind of hop back and forth between those hubs uh, when you need to be there and if you want to be there some people don't want to be there like i think there's guys in the band that are perfectly content yeah. with just like being at home when they're at home but i'm a bit of a busybody so i'm like all right let's do stuff and even like i mean obviously like you said artists are going to travel bands are going to travel like where do you find like the best places where you feel as though like, this is where I can collaborate the best. Like, this mm. is where my people can, like, you know, my people and these people, like, just, like, align and resonate with each other really well. Like, is there a certain spot? You know, it's funny. I try – I deliberately try not to get superstitious about that because I think as soon as you get superstitious about, like, I can only create on Tuesdays afternoon after I've had two coffees and the sun is hitting the window just like – you know, I, I try not to get in that zone. Right. I try to be as open-minded um, as possible. I think I know what I like. And what I like is to be around people – I'm creatively comfortable around sharing my thoughts and feelings and knowing that like a lot of ideas are going to be bad, but that's okay. That's all part of the journey. Cause as soon as you kind of are hanging around like naysayers or people that are like antagonistic or going, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like then I'm like, I don't want to hang out there. And I think for me, it's like, this is like a very particular thing to musicians, but most bands, you know, especially when you're starting out have no money. Most musicians have no money, like generally speaking. And so you're relegated to these places like in the outer boroughs of the city and they're like windowless shitholes and they smell and there's like a metal band playing next to you in the room over. And you're just like, I like those places are creatively so uninspiring. And so I'm like, okay, if there's some like natural light and like a, just an upright piano and just like, a, that's all I kind of need. And like, is there a coffee shop nearby that I like to go to? You know what I mean? Like, I think those are the things that I kind of care about. And and also, you know, we, I've had a lot of great creative partnerships uh, with producers that we've worked with, with other songwriters that we've worked with, with lighting people, with guitar techs, you know, with people that, you know, work on our music videos, with people at the label. These are all creative people. And I really kind of, I genuinely like get off on meeting people that like have a little bit of wind in their sail and I'm learning from and, I'm, you know, just sort of like seeing the world a little bit differently uh, when I'm around them. So yeah, I don't know. So I, yeah, I try not to be superstitious, I guess, is the, yeah. is the short answer. Anyone that we would know that you've you've learned from, like any name that would stand out to us that we would know from like mainstream music or anything that has had mm -hmm. a big influence on you? Oh, I mean, we've learned so much from like everybody that we've we've toured with over the years. Like each and each band kind of or artist provides like a different lesson and we're just sort of stealing tricks from them, mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, everywhere we go. So it's just, I think so part of it's you know keeping your eyes peeled. But I mean, I, we toured with the Tragically Hip across the country, yeah. and um, 
you know, they, we recorded our second record at their studio in Bath, Ontario, the bathhouse where they did a lot of their work. It's just outside of Kingston. And one memory that sticks out, well, first of all, the guys were all very gracious to us and they, they overpaid us as opening band. You know, Paul would always be having a cigarette out by the back exit and he'd spend time and, you know, he'd answer every fucking annoying question that I had. And it was just like very complimentary and, and patient with us. Um, but I remember one time at dinner, uh, we were in catering and Gord was there and Gord uh, starts telling me the story about how he was driving around the county, Prince Edward County, with his son. Uh, and it was like a summer day. And he was talking about showing his son, who was like 10 at the time, The Who. And he's like, it's really important when you're listening to The Who that you turn it up to 11. Because when you get to the top of the mountain, when you get to that apex, when Daltrey's about to scream, it's like, that's when you feel alive. Like he kind of gave me this like, great little anecdote. I was just kind of really enjoying it. Anyway, later that night, he's on stage doing his like, one of his classic like gourd diatribe spoken word poetry thing like while the band's jamming and he starts to tell that story about driving around the county i was like oh you're just workshopping your shit on me i was like i was like i love that this guy's like on he's always focused he's always thinking about the show and that's what makes him good i mean and i relate to that in a way because it's like when we're on tour like the entire day i'm i don't know how fun i am to be around on tour like i think i'm fine to be around on tour but i'm not like chilled out just like kind of going through the day not like i'm kind of in the zone the entire day because i'm thinking about okay like what do i want to talk about tonight what's the set list going to look like what's happening in the world how am i referencing that are we playing a special cover like so i'm really engaged in the show like from the minute i wake up to the show time um and so to see gourd also kind of in that process of being like okay i want to be able to tell a story tonight and i'm going to workshop it on max at catering <laughs> this afternoon he was cool. he was waiting for your reaction if you didn't give him the reaction that he wanted yeah. he wouldn't have said anything then yeah That's totally hilarious. yeah even with like uh, the instant thought that comes to my mind when you say like when you're prepping for shows and stuff is just like the i think i've seen you like three times now but the last show when you brought up all the all the uh, Waldos in Calgary. <laughs> and there's like 40 Waldos on stage. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how do you prepare for like, and it's so much of like being in the moment. And mm. I think I've had, I've had a couple conversations with you and you are very in tune with your own like emotions and you are very in tune with like your own wherewithal and your own awareness. So like, how does that, like, how does that shift the show? How does that, like how like how does that even just like change everything and also like mm -hmm. trying to get 40 waldos off the stage can't be easy <laughs> oh my god i feel like they're gonna collapse the stage too i was like get the fuck off the stage so yeah um so i think part of my job um is keep my eyes peeled because the guys in the band like you know they have a lot of musical duty up there like there, you know there's a lot of uh, arrangement and just like functionally playing the songs that are really important i kind of get to be a cheerleader up there like i like I've sort of abandoned my guitar for half the show. So part of my job is just keep my eyes peeled. So it's just like, I go in with a game plan, but I'm also, you know, like I'm on Twitter and I'm like looking at people that are bringing signs, like, oh, we brought, we're bringing the sign to the show. I'm like, okay, I know that sign's going to be in the crowd. Maybe I'll find it and we'll do that request later. So I think it's like a big part of my job uh, is to make sure that something special happens at every show. Something that is completely unique to that night. And I, so I, so I really do try to be in the moment by looking at the crowd, just simply that, like, and I, and it's taken me, it took me a while to get there, but when I realized like, that's actually kind of a power. If you, if you can make a connection 
with somebody or something that's only going to happen that one night and make something of it, um, that, that can send everybody home happy. And I think it was like, you know, I remember just seeing, uh, that group of people that were all dressed up as where's Waldo, which was just fucking hilarious. It was like a few days before Halloween. I was like, okay. And then I started thinking to myself, okay, where would it be fun to bring them up? Like, what is the moment in the set where it'd make most sense that there's like an interlude happening. It's not going to disrupt the flow of the show. And I was like, okay, I think the moment, and this is just me processing in real time. The moment's probably my heart. So is yours because we do this breakdown where we get everybody to, you know, sway side to side, put their arms around their neighbors. And it's this really heartfelt thing. I was like, hey, I think that's the moment. And, 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 you know, they all came up on stage. I brought them to the front of the catwalk. Uh, and they I almost collapsed the catwalk. And I was like, get the fuck off the catwalk. And then our tour manager, Eric, was like, can we not do that, please? Like next time, like, or can we like cut it at like 10 people instead of 20? But yeah, now you learn. But there's a couple of times we've done that with like people come up on stage where if it's like an older rink, the stages are just a little more rickety and it's just like not good. It's like, there's a few times where I'm like, fuck, this is going to collapse. Anyway. That's got to be something that excites you. Like I know... I work with a life coach and our latest conversation, we talked about like what his quote was, choose your hard. And for me, like as a, as a hockey player, like I'm in this moment right now where I'm not sure if I want to keep playing and the, the past has been great, but the future doesn't look to be easy. Like he's like, he's saying, choose your hard. So like hockey, yeah, that's hard, but your next, your next moment in life is hard. So it's, it's kind of like, choose your heart. It's, but then it's, trying to find those times during your life that you can appreciate things and have a spark and, and create some more excitement kind of out of maybe things that get to be pretty routine. And to me, when I, when I look at music musicians, I love music so much. Like I think in my head, like you're going to shows over and over and you're playing the same songs and that can get probably pretty um, routine. And maybe you lose like that, the gratitude behind it. And, um, you can kind of get sucked down that hole. And I wonder if you can like speak to that at all after maybe the end of a tour and you're kind of, you have to play those last few shows. Like what, what kind of brings that spark to your excitement? Yeah, it's a great question because you're right. Like things can kind of come, become pretty commonplace pretty quickly on tour and it can become a little bit like Groundhog's Day. So then, you know, I, I think it's really important, uh, again, just to kind of like get out of your, the own, your, the four walls of your mind, right? Like I think it's so, and you do that by, you know, going to other shows, right? Like sometimes you, you'll go, you know, you'll go see another band and they'll blow you away and that'll inspire you or that'll make you go, oh, we should steal that bit. You know, you'll, I, I, I listened to a podcast recently with um, Matt Healy from the 1975 and I love that band. Their live show is like so ambitious and impressive and it's kind of like everything I want. I haven't seen too many bands. I'm like, do a thing better than the thing that we do that I think that we do. <laughs> like, I'm very like confident in what we do, but I, I saw the 1975. I was like, man, these fucking guys are like onto something like this. Is so like, and I loved it. I like, it was, I was like, I wasn't even jealous. I was like smiling the whole time. And it made me so pumped to try to like do something ambitious uh, for our own band. And he said, he said something like, we try to pick five new things to do every show that are just a little bit different. It doesn't have to be a huge thing because obviously they have their set list. They know what they're going to do. But like there's five little moments that will keep it interesting for us on stage, even if the crowd doesn't even know there's any difference. And I was like, oh, that's a great, like really simple pointed piece of advice that we can learn from. And I, I mentioned to the guys, we had like a private gig a couple of days ago. 
And I said to the guys, I was like, guys, 1975 do this. Like they pick five things just to kind of try to keep it interesting for themselves. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I am the most alive and feel the most excited about work when like I stumble onto like a new idea that makes me like that much more excited about writing a new song or putting on a show and you, but you kind of got to do it by going out and interacting with the world. Like, because I think yeah. it's very easy to kind of get stuck in your own ways if you're not interacting with the world. Yeah, and even like, sure. obviously interacting with the world and interacting with other artists and figuring out, you know, what makes them tick, what works for them and all this. But at the end of the day, it's hard to do that when you're not in the right, like mental state and like mm -hmm. in the right mental well-being and so on this tour, while you're continuing to find these new sparks and while you're trying to continue to be spontaneous and try new things, what is it like during your day to day that keeps you grounded? Like, I mean, mm. obviously it's exciting. You got a new show, um, you know, whether it's in Calgary, whether it's in Vancouver, whether it's in LA, wh wherever it may be, but there's obviously that's still that those moments where it's like, I got to do something you know, this has got to be my day a little bit. And you said it mm -hmm. perfect. It's like, I'm not really going to talk to a ton, ton of people. Like I'm kind of just going to do my thing. So what is that? Like, obviously don't get too in depth or anything, but like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, no, it's funny too. It's cause it's like, I, I think I'm pretty like optimistic and upbeat by nature, but there, but there's a lot of touring that's like really hard because it's like, it's um, the, the, the physical toll it takes on you is, is the sleeps are weird. Cause you're on a tour bus you know, the, the, the nature of the day is weird because you're sort of like ramping up to be like peaking at like nine o'clock. Uh, and it's also, you're stressed cause you want to do a good job. Like you, you ask, you ask yourself these like existential questions, Riley, I'm sure you've probably thought you're like, what am I doing with my life? Like I'm this age, you know, like Don't how, no, right. No. And I feel the same way. Sometimes <laughs> we'll be like playing a small show in Germany and I'm like, do I need to be here? Like you, so you ask yourself these questions and that can be hard. Right. And that's, and you know, and you're away from your family and your friends and there's other shit that you could be doing. So I think like the only thing you can really do, and this goes just for like any sort of like good mental health practice is like pretty simple. It's like get a good night's sleep. <laughs> Don't eat like shit. Try <laughs> to exercise, try to read a fucking book and get off your phone don't booze a lot. Like, I don't know. Like don't do drugs. Like it's like, it's like, it's kind of the same for everybody. And I, and I think that like when I'm on tour, like I try to do that. Like, you know, I try to like wake up at a good time. I try to get my best sleep. I try to go to a coffee shop in the morning, have a, like a lot of me time where I can read, I can take care of emails. I try to like, you know, interact with new people in whatever neighborhood I'm in. I try to phone home to friends and catch up to see what they're doing. And that's all you can kind of do. That's all we can ever do. Like regardless of what your job is, it's like, it feels like the recipe is kind of the same, no matter what line of work you're in. Isn't it crazy too? Like how much different mental health practices have like caught on, but like we forget about just like the simplest ones. Like fresh like air. Like honestly, just not... get some fucking fresh air. Like, like a little bit of sunshine and fresh air is like better than just about anything. Like people are trying to do like, even like meditation. Meditation I find is, is really difficult. And like, I mean, Ty and I, we've talked about the, the cold tubs and cold showers, which are, are great, but <laughs> it's awesome. also like, it's like really hard for a lot of people too. Like, but then we just want to jump right to these things that are harder and trendy rather than just like what you said, focus on things that are simple. No, totally. It's funny. I have a, I have a friend who works as a nurse at CAMH and, you know, she was telling me that like just bringing, you know, the, the, the clients there just outside, 
just like bringing them like out and like kicking a soccer ball around is literally probably like the best thing they can do for themselves. Just cause like they're getting outside. They're like not in the four walls of, of, of the hospital room, you know? So yeah, yeah I'm a, I, like, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with walks. Like, honestly, like, you know, I, I exercise, I play some sports, but like our manager, Ash and I, like when we're not on tour and actually when we're on tour, go for walks, probably two hours a day. And we're just talking through ideas. We're calling people. We're just like walking around Toronto, just calling people with ideas. <laughs> and it's way more fun than being in an office. I don't know. I know. I just want to instantly relate it to like COVID. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I, now that I've got to spend some time with you, like you are so bubbly and you are so like people loving and you are so like, you are engaged in conversations. You're attentive, like you're, you know, inspired by other people. So like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around how that process was for you. Like when things started to unravel mm-hmm. and you're trying to find alternate ways and alternate outlets. And obviously, I mean, you, like you said, you're a big caller. I am too. Like if I go, a, if I do a two hour drive back home, like I'm on the phone for probably an hour and a half of it. Yeah. Like I, I really enjoy talking to people yeah, and half too. the time it's just like spur of the moment calls. Like, Hey, like I, checking I in, what's up? I, Tell yeah, me something. I yeah. I don't have anything on the docket. Like I just want to talk. And so you have a very valuable relationship with, you know, Nick nurse, Ron McLean, all these mm-hmm. people that aren't necessarily in the sports world, but still under or in the um, entertainment music world, but still understand that space. Mm-hmm. So what, like, how did that even begin to, how did that work for you? Just like working through COVID, you mean? Or just yeah. like, yeah, it was interesting because, yeah, it was a bit of a riddle to be solved because it was a really hard time for musicians who couldn't tour and didn't know exactly what to do with themselves. Um, but I'm really lucky. Ash is like my partner in crime. Uh, she's our, the band's manager. And, you know, she has a similar motor to me that she just like, okay, let's like do something. Let's like, and it all kind of comes from like this place of like, can we entertain ourselves? That's like kind of what it all comes. It's like, it's like, this is exciting and entertaining for us. Like the rolling out a new song, putting out a new album, announcing a new tour, like anything we're doing is always just kind of in services. Like let's have a fun time together. And, um, you know, when we, when people weren't allowed to be in the same room together, the question was like, okay, how do we do anything right now? And so we were going to put out Blink once, but then we're like, but no one wants to like rock out in the middle of a pandemic. You can't, you're not allowed to rock out in the middle of a pandemic. So like, all right, let's put that aside. I think the people, the music that people want is like comforting music that they can play in their backyard or around a campfire or at a cottage or whatever. That's right. So we invented campfire chords. That was never something that we were supposed to do, but we're like, okay, we can actually record this record remotely. Like Tony can start and lay down like a piano part. I can sing a vocal from home. Mike can then add his guitar part from his house. We weren't together for like 80% of the record. But but it kind of just gave us something to do. And then like bit by bit, we had one song, five songs, 10 songs. And then we had a a whole record ready to go. And it allowed us to like do some TV appearances like CTV. City TV had like um, Budweiser live at home. I forget what the series was called. But we did like our own version of that to promote Campfire Chords. And Canberra Records is like some some people's like favorite Arkells record because it's just like let's throw it on. It's like just good vibes. It feels good. We know all these songs, and that was just sort of a, a matter of being nimble and thinking like, okay, where are we at? What can we do? Where's the world at? And how can we interact with the world in like an honest and authentic way? And that's what we came up with. But it, but but you know, it takes a lot of like walking around and calling people. What do you think of this idea? Could we do this? How are we going to get the vinyl made? When should we put it out? Okay, there's a new song quitting you. Let's record that. Like 
but it, but it was because we're reacting. It's like, and that's kind of the, the fun part about being a musician. It's just like, you want to do something that's true to you. And what's true to you is often like how you're interacting with the world outside. How do you find that perspective being part of like a, a whole band too, right? Like you talk about your relationship with Ash and then um, obviously you guys together, like it's, it's, it's a family and it's like being part of a team. It's like being part of, um, I mean, you have to appreciate other people's perspectives and you have to, mm -hmm. you can't always be thinking for yourself. I think that's like a really hard skill to learn is to kind of, you have your perspective and you can't always follow that. You have to take other people's into consideration. I think a band is, is a perfect example of like how people can be cohesive together and come up with things that are, are, uh, are successful or, or, or whatever. So, I mean, how do you find that process? And maybe even from like day one Arkells to current mm -hmm. Arkells, how it's evolved. Yeah, it's a, that's a great question because it's, a, it's such an unusual job uh, being in a band like ours because, you know, I met Mike and uh, Nick when I was 17 years old, like, you know, first day of university and I'm 36 now. Like I, and, and the first day I met them, I said, we're starting a band. I was like, you play guitar, you're in the band. Nick, you play bass, you're in the band. So we've been kind of colleagues uh, for 20 years, which is kind of insane, right? Like it's in, like we met in September 2004, right? So it's like 19 years ago. And so we start this thing that's kind of for fun, but it's also like just a passion project that we're like excited to do. And it turns into this like career and this business enterprise and like, you know, a lot of people aren't even friends with people they went to university with, you know, it's like most people like, you know, it's like the, the fact that you could still be not only friends, but like colleagues with somebody for 19 years and it's your own little family business. And, but it's not just like you're selling fucking like, I don't know, air conditioners or something like that. Like you're like, you're doing something that's really of, of you, right? It's, it's not like, okay, yeah, we have, I don't know, fucking chimney cleaning shit. Like, it's like, we're writing songs, right? Like we are, we are pouring our heart and soul into the music. So it's this weird mix of of the incredibly like sort of like creative side and like the, the incredibly sort of personal and creative side of who we are. But also like we're adults, right? Like we need to like pay mortgages and we need to like make money, <laughs> you know, and like Tim and Tony have kids, right? And like, okay, like where's the college fund going, right? Like, <laughs> so it's a fun, it's a weird business. It's just, un, it's kind of like unlike anything else that I can really think of because it's so deeply personal, but it's also our life. It's like our, our, our it's us being adults. Um, so I, I feel really lucky that the band is an incredibly functional band and we all get along great and we all respect each other. Uh, and I think we're all, most importantly, I think we're all very self-aware of how unique it is to, to have the job that we have because we look around, we, I say this all the time, all the bands and peers that were putting out records in 2008, the first year that we put out Jackson Square, the year that we put our first record out, there aren't really bands anymore. There's like a few left. But And it's not because those people are not great musicians or great songwriters or great performers or great bands. It's just that it's so fucking hard. It's just statistically, it is impossible to be a musician who writes their own songs and have a career. It's like, you know, again, people never think about it in that term. It's like, they're like, no, but there's like the hip and, you know, Our Lady Peace has been around a long time. And, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, those are one in a million. Oh, Blue Rodeo is going pretty good. Blue Rodeo, you know, it's like, yeah, they are. That's one in... 
a million. Those guys are one in a million. And so to sort of be in that category, we're very aware that it's like a one in a million job. It's like an impossible job. So, um, but anyway, rather answer your question. I, I, the the band, each guy kind of has his own lane. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been able to stay together for as long as we have. Is that like, you know, Mike is really interested in visual art and he does all of our merch and he's really interested in guitar pedals and he plays a lot of guitar. You know, Tony is an amazing uh, piano player, musician, and he's helped like kind of produce a lot of our stuff. He went to school at Humber for jazz. Like Tim's an amazing drummer. Like you can't be in a rock band without a, being an amazing drummer. Like Nick is the most sort of like, so he's an amazing bassist, but he's also an incredibly just like supportive person. Like he's somebody I lean on for emotional support, which is like equally important. And I don't think any of them really give a fuck about like, what's our next TikTok post. And I happen to care about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I like the creative challenge of like marketing the thing we wrote uh, or like promoting the thing we wrote or like all the, the interaction, interacting with fans or, you know, talking to our audience. Like I kind of enjoy it. I don't know. Like I like being in the mix with it and they don't, those guys don't really give a fuck. <laughs> so, so I think it's, we're lucky that no one's really stepping on each other's toes in our band. Yeah. And I think you like, you obviously need that, but especially now, I mean, you guys are phenomenal and you guys are continue to, you know, put out amazing performances that, you know, it's, it's, we talked about it before. It's hard to do, but also with these performances come a lot of, you know, while you're still thinking about, okay, well, like I, I got to pay my mortgage. I got to do this and I got to do this in my life. And I got to make this next, next TikTok. You still, I mean, I, I, I don't want to assume, but a major portion of, especially what you do is you like to lend a hand and mm. you like to interact. You like to make sure that these fan experiences are going to be one that they will forever remember. But also, I mean, there's been so many times I'm sure where you have received a message about somebody, whether it's listening to a song or was at a show and they instantly open up and they instantly share mm. their story. I know how that feels and it's, it's hard because you want to set boundaries for yourself and you want to have that balance mm. of, okay, like I, I, I really, I love this. And it, 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 it's so refreshing to, to read that somebody is opening up to me because of our lyrics or because of a performance or because of mm. this. And that. But how do you, I mean, talk about that impact and talk about how, how profound it is to have that impact on your fan base and on your community, but also like, how do you also then tread that line and figure out, you know, okay, I gotta, I gotta still stay in my lane and I gotta, I gotta mm. make sure I'm taking care of myself a little bit. So kind of a, a two headed question there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the greatest gifts of putting out a song is like, you know, having somebody connect with it. And, um, I actually, I was listening to a podcast. There's like an electronic artist from England named S G Lewis, who put out a new record recently, which is really good. And he was talking about like, um, streaming and like how every musician is like obsessed with like what their numbers are like on Spotify or this or that. And he said, but he's like, honestly, the thing that, that like, there's some songs that stream more than you think there's other songs that you love that nobody seems to care about. But the thing that actually matters is, playing the song in a room and seeing a couple like make out to it or someone cry to it or somebody sing along to it. He's like, those things are worth millions more than any one stream. Like, you know what I mean? And I was, and I, I thought it was a beautifully put, I thought it was beautifully put and the accurate way to think about how your music, uh, you know, what your music might be able to do for somebody. 
and yeah, okay, I want to cut you off quick, quick. Mm-hmm. I I told Riles this because this is like resonates perfectly. I was listening to Luke Combs on Joe Rogan, and he was like, the first time he ever felt that he like made it, he's like, not it's not like when people are just playing their songs in the car at a red light or anything. He's like, when I felt as though like people were connecting with my songs, it's when they're on a boat. It's when they're on the <laughs> boat in the heat of summertime. Anyway, I, I just want to put that in your head because I was like, that's so true. Like when people, when it's 35 degrees outside, the beers are cold and you're putting on, you know, an Arkell song, like that's when it's like, holy shit. Like, but anyways, back to your. No, it's so, it's so true. It's like to, to, to be a soundtrack to anybody at any point. It's great. And, and, you know, we, we've had songs, you know, that deal with like heartbreak and there's also a lot of love songs. So like, you know, I, it feels like every Monday in the summertime, we get like 10 emails to Mandra Ash's uh, email inbox. Um, just saying like, here's a video of our first dance on Saturday of, and then some are quitting you. And, you know, and we, and we do a lot of shout outs, you know, on yeah, the you're, side. and then some was in our wedding playlist. It wasn't our first dance, but it was on our wedding playlist. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, yeah. And, and, you know, there's other songs like, you know, well, even something like knocking at the door, people will be like, this is a song that pumps me up before I go to my chemo. Like, let's fucking go, you know? And that's amazing. And there's our song Strong is about a friend, Barb, who passed away of cancer. This beautiful person. She's a doctor. She's too young. She's like 32 when she passed. Um, and, you know, people talk about that and, and, and how that song has played a role in their life. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, all things considered, we're like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I've always said we've had a very, like, functional and sort of even mannered fan base like people like our our audience is like super chill in the best way like we like we have some like intense fans but it never gets too crazy it's always just like pretty reasonable people that like our music (laughs) which i'm happy about so there hasn't been too many instances where i'm like can you like fuck off please like everyone's like kind of nice and everyone's yeah everyone's pretty chill we're lucky about that any stories that like stick out in your mind about where things got a little chaotic fuck oh i'm trying to think i don't know if i have any good ones at the top of my mind i know you guys are you guys are different type of band than like i I read dave grohl's book and he was talking about when they were (laughs) younger and he said he just got a little too carried away and and i think he like smashed a guy in the front with like a microphone or guitar or something (laughs) and it turned out to almost a brawl in the back alleyway i'm not Uh, saying that's an arkell's type thing but maybe something no i de-escalate um, usually uh <laughs> yeah no we I'm, I'm, I'm there are stories but i don't remember them i have a fabulously terrible memory <laughs> well uh i know uh you obviously got a busy day ahead but i want to touch on one more major aspect mm-hmm. of your life that you have continued to be open with therapy <laughs> mm, yeah yeah I would love to, I mean, we've, you know, had little conversations here and there before, but I mean, that is something that I'm, you know, I'm not going to make the, whether it's because you're a man, whether it's because you, you're a major musician. I mean, there is a lot of things that could hold you back from mm-hmm. maybe sharing about the fact that you love therapy and you mm-hmm. go to therapy for a reason. And there is a lot that you can learn from therapy. I mean, talk about maybe any particular lessons that you learned from therapy that you are now able to implement into your, you know, pretty mm-hmm. unorthodox, crazy, unique, fun life. But then also like, is there anything that instantly resonates with therapy that you try to implement into like lyrical basis or is it kind of mm. just like that, that theme? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you know, so my dad's a social worker and he, and he does continuing education conferences for mental health professionals. So it's always been like around my house and, and the idea 
of of mental health and 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 you know therapists and like it's been just like in our family for a long time um but yeah i mean i feel like it's it it feels like it's maybe to some people that it's like this the scary thing like revealing yourself you know but i'm i i don't feel like it's that different than just having another amazing friend who's good at giving advice. You know what I mean? And I love talking through, you know, my problems of the day with my friends and, and I'm really smart, caring group of friends uh, that are great listeners and are there to give me a hug and are, and are there to give me advice. Um, the, and the only difference between them and a therapist is the therapist like actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and like is going to have a conversation with you through a different, like a little different lens, like a professional lens and not just like a friend, friend lens. And sometimes friends give terrible advice too. It's like, you know what I mean? Um, so, so I, so that's the kind of the way I conceive of it. It's just like, you know, if you have, if you do have a therapist or if you're looking for one, it's just like try to find someone that you just like, you know, knows that they're there to help and that they're there to, you know, care for you and work through problems because, you know, this is sort of a continuation of the conversation we've been having this whole podcast, which is just like, who is going to help you see the world a little bit differently? Who's going to make the world a little less blurry. That's like all I'm trying to do all day long, whether it's a creative problem, whether it's a business problem, whether it's a personal problem, I just like, don't want to feel like shit. <laughs> you know, like I want, I want things to make a little bit more sense. I want to be able to like kind of get through the day with a smile. I want to get through the day knowing that there's a little bit of optimism coming from like, you know, there's a little bit of hope, right? Like the tomorrow is going to be okay. Right. And I think it's easy to kind of, when you're in a bad way, it's easy to kind of get stuck in like those existential like thoughts where it's like, you know, like things are not going to improve. And, and, and so, yeah, I think that um, one thing that she did the other day, Sharice, she has to Sharice, she's great. Um, she's like, write three columns, three vertical columns. And I, it was like, the left column was like my truth. The middle column was like everyone else's truth. And then the third column was God's truth. So she's like, just imagine there's like three lanes on a highway. I was like, okay. She's like, write down like what your truth is. I was like, what does that mean? She's like, things that you can control. I was like, okay. Like what I eat. She's like, yep. What I wear. Yep. Who I talk to. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, go through all the things I can control today. Middle column is like everyone else's truth. So I was like, what is that for everybody else? I was like, well, literally the same as mine, but just for everybody else. She's like, exactly. And like God's truth. I was like, what's that? And she's not like, maybe she's a religious person. I don't even know. But she, she was just like, basically like things that are out completely out of your control, which is like the weather, fucking accidents, sickness and shit like that. Very simply, she was like, just try your best to stay like 85% of your day in your own lane. That's the only thing. Like you can, you can veer into somebody else's truth or you can try to, you might veer into like, thinking about God's truth, like that has nothing to do with you. But for the most part, just try to stay in your fucking lane. Like just like get on that highway and just hang out in the, and do the things that you can control. I was like, oh, that's a great metaphor. The, the imagery there was like helpful for me to, to think about, you know, because if because you end up saying too much in that middle lane, everybody else's truth, it just gets confusing. You know, it just gets hard. So that was that was a nice lesson that I thought was helpful. That's great. I guess the one one question I guess I was going to ask you when you were talking about the the hip, and uh, obviously the effects Gordowney having, and maybe just like what came out of that final um, tour and and him putting his 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 body on the line when he wasn't feeling great and that whole thing. I mean, it affected so many people across Canada. 
but I don't know if it maybe affected you in a different way as a musician, knowing the grind and um, just just maybe what that meant to you. I, I was kind of interested in asking. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it was, it was, it was an amazing, like, feat, and it was very emotional. Like, you know, I was at the Toronto show, and just, like, seeing him get through that, it was it's kind of unlike anything anybody's ever seen. It's just like, yeah. you know, and I know how hard it was and I know, you know, his memory was, was, was leaving him and yet he was reading stuff off the teleprompter and stuff. But, you know, I think, I don't know. I, I, I think that maybe how I relate to it is just like, you know, you got one life, like go like make the most of it. I don't know. Like, and I, and sometimes you wonder like, cause I have a lot of ideas, right? Like I, I want to do lots of stuff and like, and sometimes I go, oh, is now the right time? And I was like, well, just do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's yeah. there's so much to be said. For, because when you do stuff, um, it, like, this is so like, obvious, but like, it literally gives you something to do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is better than doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, can that be my, my quote that gets passed around on Instagram? <laughs> yeah. When you do stuff, it literally gives you something to do. <laughs> Can we end it there? And that, that's that's my mic drop moment. Uh, uh, and I think, and honestly, I think there's something to be said for doing something because <laughs> it makes you feel less bad about yourself because you're doing something. I don't know. All right, I, uh, I we're gonna make sure that we emphasize that quote, but I want to finish. On, I want to finish on one thing. Um, first off, you're playing in Red Deer. This yeah, summer. come on up, man. I hope to see you there. Which would be dope, yeah. And then uh, I will see you in June at the Canadian Open again. Um, yes. Last, last summer it was the Lumineers we saw at Bud Stage. This yeah. summer it's going to be Dermot Kennedy. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm super excited. And I even like last time when I was, I peek over at you while we were watching the Lumineers and you would just be like arms crossed, just like dying, like just like so into the show. Like, trying <laughs> to, like how, and like it, it was cool to hear that you are constantly analyzing and you are mm. figuring out, you know, what works and stuff. My last question that I haven't actually really asked a musician ever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dead or alive, you get one band or artist to see and you get to pick the venue. Where, mm. you where are you going and who are you seeing? Anybody that has ever lived on this earth. I mean, <laughs> poof, that's, I mean, okay. I mean, the I basically John Lennon playing acoustic songs like in a little cafe or something like that just to hear oh. his voice uh that'd be cool but i would also say like uh, it'd be fucking i saw bruno mars once i really want to see bruno mars again because he's he's sort of amazing like just a combination of like he plays every instrument he's an incredible singer he's an incredible dancer but it's not just about him it's about the hooligans like see he, he brings his boys and and they're all dialed in it's it's kind of and it's not like I like lots of choreography. I like lots of dance, different kinds of dance, but like those guys do it where it's like, they're so locked in, but they also seem kind of drunk when they're doing it. It's like this perfect <laughs> thing where it's, it's not like Backstreet Boys where it's like super fucking dialed in. It's, it's like, it's sneaky dialed in, but they also look like yeah, they're wasted. They're feeling like, it. They're, they're feeling, feeling it. It's it. great. Yeah. So I think I, I aspire to do that. Uh, incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, Max, we can't thank you enough for obviously taking out the time and, uh, for anybody like best hang podcast, um, yeah, y'all are amazing and y'all are so much fun to listen to. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all, but I mean, it's, uh, yeah, well, you know, I'll say that, um, so I do this podcast with my buddies, uh, Shane and Mike, and one of the things I'm doing right now, I, I, I mentioned doing stuff. So, um, 
they are uh, they've created a show that'll be on Crave later this year called The Dessert. It's a sketch comedy show. Uh, I'm an executive producer on it. Ash is an EP on it. Bruce McCullough, Albertan from Kids in the Hall, he's also an executive producer on it. And I wrote the theme song, and it'll be coming out at some point this year. And so we've been all working really hard on that. And so now I get to say that I'm involved in a TV show, which is fun. It's a fun thing to Wicked, do. Wicked, dude. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Riles, uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, if you got anything else. No, that, that was great, man. I'm I'm a huge music guy, and I I grew up, I mean, from St. Catharines, Ontario, so right down the street from from you, and grew up on Billy Talon and City of yeah, Color yeah. And, and you guys, so uh this was definitely one that I, I got excited for so we appreciate you coming on yeah thanks so much for having me guys great to talk to you this episode is also brought to you by biosteel zero sugar essential electrolytes great taste and pure hydration join the likes of Connor mcdavid alec manoa andrew wiggins brooke henderson and patrick mahomes on the biosteel train it's time for you to try BioSteel with our SYM25 discount code that will get you 25% off at checkout. Yep, that's right. I will gladly attest to this being the best hydration drink on the market. SYM25 at checkout. 